Hello, listeners of the ASI Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 32. Reward Part 2 is the name of this podcast. The intro you're about to hear, I recorded up until the second batch of bumper music. Um, I recorded a little over a week ago, and a lot has happened in the world since then, especially in my country. And uh, just be mindful of... I pray that you hear this message out, all right? And here we go. This is a little band called The Wedding. By the wedding, get a chance to to download that. Check it out. Uh, ASI247.org is the website for this here podcast. And uh, donations, man, this thing is kept alive by donations from generous-hearted listeners. So save the fruitcake and send in a donation to the ASI podcast. All right. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I just. <laughs> Just threw that fruitcake. Don't ASI donation. Yes. All right. If you're going to share some holiday generosity, please do it responsibly. All right. Without fruitcake. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, some people like fruitcake, Russ. Don't be so closed-minded. Anyway, this is the. The other side of the coin as far as reward goes. That's the topic of the show. It was the topic of the last show. If you're new to the ASI podcast, you should listen to the last show before you listen to this show. It'll make more sense. All right? Just I don't usually say that, but I'm going to today because that's, that's kind of the deal. All right? I don't want you to get confused. Also, if you're new to the podcast, I feel I should... Uh, introduce myself. My name is Russ Shaw. I'm not a specialist in any kind of psychological field or a spiritual teacher or guru or pastor, priest, rabbi, what have you. I'm, I'm not any of those things. I'm not Santa's helper. Um, I'm not Blitzen. I'm not Buddy the Elf and I'm certainly not Rudolph. All right. Well, that was weird. Usually guys just, uh, you know, put my name in the jingle bells or something. It's me, your son. Susan Wells had me, and, and she didn't tell you, and, 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 but now I'm here. It's me, buddy. Susan Wells. You said Susan Wells? Yes. Who sent this Christmas gram? What's a Christmas gram? I want one. I think we should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper, too. Little Will Ferrell for you from the movie Elf. I love that movie because it's kind of a look at, you know, warm heart versus cold heart. Can can the warm heart 
you know, melt the ice of the cold-hearted person. That's kind of the message of that film. Uh, anyway, Christmas, right? Uh, Christmas movies. Love that movie, Elf. Love to watch that movie every Christmas season. That movie and uh, Fred Claus. I don't agree with everything like at the end of Fred Claus, but I, I do like the movie Fred Claus for the you know the person with a jacked up heart. Oh, and The Grinch. The Grinch film with Jim Carrey. It's another one. Scrooge is another one. Uh, the Jim Carrey version was, it was all right. It was more about the, I don't know, the graphics and the 3D than, than the story. But I, I did enjoy the way the story was told in that movie. The old Charles Dickens, you know, Scrooge. Just brilliant. And also is everything to do with reward on the spiritual level. But before I talk about that, uh, as I was introducing myself, I kind of went went off on, on that. <laughs> uh, my name is Russ Shaw. I, I'm more of a, a mess than a mental health expert. It, 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 here's, a, here's a little music for you to help describe maybe, you know, from, <laughs> from my world. Who you're Riot's mental health. <laughs> it's, um, I love that song because it, it kind of shows a you know an attitude of the heart that just wants to be alive, despite the jacked upness of the world. Right? Just bang your head. Just you know, be excited, be alive. There's something about getting around someone who's alive that that that's kind of catchy, right? Like you you want to be alive and and some of this music back from the 80s was you know I got caught up in a lot of that rock and roll was a big you know waker upper to my depressed state you know when I could when I got into that kind of depressed state you know that that song raise the dead right <laughs> well, let's wake up the dead wanted to shout and and be alive and and music man I, I just love music I still love music I what what do you do without music right um Anyway, this is kind of warming the heart, maybe from the outside in, mental health. This is kind of the anthem for my study on mental health. <laughs> it's funny that the name of the song is Mental Health, but if I, that, that song takes me back to a time where, you know, awakening my, uh, I don't know, getting my brain to work it was like a jump starter and some of this music and just some of that attitude of just wanting to be alive was a big part of it. See, an ethical decision-making framework, it, it starts in the heart. It, it doesn't start out here in, you know, uh, cognition. I mean, cognition is the road that it runs on, but the vehicle going down the road is motivation. 
So an ethical decision-making framework that rolls down the road of cognition rightly is is the behavior we're looking for, isn't it? Right? Like, I, I pray that you get that, that you understand that. Are you tracking with me, so to speak, right? Like, that's why we say things like, you know, I know what I should do, but what I am doing is different than what I want to do, right? Like, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. I want to walk the path that I know. And maybe that's part of the good thing about sexual addiction is that we get to recover from it and we get to learn more about ourselves and others by going through this process. It sucks. It hurts. It's, it's brutal, but we're living, we're alive and we're growing through the process. If you choose, right, walk the road rather than just know the road. And that's what I want you to understand when it comes to reward, that this isn't all cognitions. This isn't all psychology. This isn't all religion, shoulds and ought tos, more rules, right? No, it's deeper than that. So... Anyway, yeah, that's the intro. I recorded that last week. And since then, you know, a lot has happened in, in the area of um, people talking about mental health, hasn't it? You know? At least in my country, uh, as I'm recording this. And, you know, the, the whole thing in Connecticut is just... It, it, it's heart-shattering, you know? Um, during doing this show, I've always, you know, I've always wanted to tie together theology and psychology, you know, and get people to understand that they're not mutually exclusive and that God made our brain to work a certain way and, and some people, you know, their brain doesn't work right and, and that's not God's plan right sin has fractured everything and that there is uh, there's mental illness there's uh, there's evil in the world theologically speaking that is that is you know what what's going on here you know I, I said I wasn't gonna get into apologetics so much but you know it really has to do with our understanding of, of God, you know, uh, I heard a guy say that philosophy basically could be defined as, is there a God, and if there is, what is his nature, right? Is the study of a creator who created the world, the universe, everything in it. And that's the part that I had such a hard time with when I was a, an addict, right? When I was a jacked up, messed up, depraved addict was really that, you know, stop, something like this would happen and I'm like, you know, and people believe in God, you know, I mean, that's how I rationalized it, that's how I reasoned it out. But I don't know everything and that was part of being an addict too, is that I, I just figured that I, my own little world view was correct, right, and somehow got me by when it didn't.
the way you see the world, the lenses that, that I was viewing the world through were not reality. You hear these stories of people whose lives are destroyed by sexual addiction, um, scandals sexually, and it's because their view of reality, and I talked about this a little in the last show, it's because their view of reality got skewed by the addiction that told them a bunch of lies to, to lead them to believe that real reality is, is not what it is. The Bible says that the whole creation groans, right? It groans for one more person to meet Jesus, for one more person to come to a saving knowledge of, of the God of the universe. Um, and and we're in that we're in that age, and this is a time of grieving in my country. It also was a time of reflection, and, and what President Obama said was so incredibly true. And you know about gratitude. How I got to come home and hug my kid, you know, my son, and then I got to see my daughter. We went did some Christmas shopping, and you know, I don't know how you explain to you know your. I, I couldn't imagine having to explain to to my son, you know. Or my daughter that their their brother or sister had been shot, had been killed in school. So you know, my heart goes out to these families, and I, I just pray that you know one of the ways that some of us can get outside of ourselves is to pray for these folks. You know, stop asking. Stop asking for stuff and, and maybe pray for for peace for someone else. Uh, something that I'm it's been heavy on my heart. And sometimes it's the heaviness, you know, that has us reflect a little bit maybe on on the hardness of our hearts. It has for me. How much do I care? What is the condition of my heart? Check this out. This is a it's from the Bible. It's the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove their heart of stone, and I will put in a heart of flesh. Right? Mushy. Fleshy. Warm. The, heart, the motivations of the heart. When our motivations of heart are hard, you know, See, there's a condition of the heart that leads to all sorts of evil. It, it's a heart condition. I, I've said that over and over in this show. I mean, it drives me nuts when religious people will point at, you know, something in culture or some movie or some genre of music and say, that's worldly. Worldliness is a condition of the heart. It causes stony, hard, you know, it's not just cynical. It, it, it's a hard heart. The worldview is dark and bitter and closed off, right? I'm going to stay behind my walls, so to speak. I'm going to live my secret life behind my walls and not let anybody in. I mean, that's, that's a stony, hard heart. Man, I've been there. I've been there for 
I was there for a long, long time. I lived there. And again, it's it's that Holy Spirit, right, getting in my heart, turning my heart from crusty, stony, hard to soft, pliable flesh, right? That's that's part of why I do this podcast. I, I heard the story of a woman um, in Crystal Mountain. We have a lot of skiing in this area. I live in the Seattle area, and what's kind of cool about living here is that you can, you know, in the springtime, you can go from the beach to the mountains and be on a, you know, on a ski lift in the same day, right? Like, you can be in the city, you can get off work and drive for 45 minutes and be on a ski lift. So, a lot of skiing in this area, and this woman, um, she was out skiing with friends, and, and she got buried in an avalanche. Uh, most people don't survive that, all right? They do as much precautions as they can when it comes to avalanches, but sometimes snow starts falling, you know, you're on mountains and high elevations, and, you know, the elevated <laughs> sides of mountains is not, is not stable, and it's very hard to predict. So this woman buried in, in an avalanche and she was laying there just trying to breathe through the snow knowing that she wasn't too deep because she could still breathe but she couldn't move. And then she heard the ski patrol. And what the ski patrol does is they take these long um, rods and they stick them into the snow and they, they feel around for bodies. Like that's what they do. When they know somebody's out there, they try and get an idea where they were and then they start to probe around to try and find the people. And she's laying there and it's just, you know, she's laying there, she's praying, she's hoping, and that's the reward of the spiritual life. You know, it's, it's just, it's hope. Ultimately, it's hope. And she's laying there hoping for, for something to happen that she wouldn't die by asphyxiation there in the snow and this rod comes down and touches her and she knows that she's been found and you know what she did it young woman right she started to um, okay what do I need to do to learn how to be on the ski patrol because that's what I want to do with my life like this traumatic life um, altering almost life taking event happens and she says, I, I want to do that. I want to help people. I want to look for people. I want to, I want God to use me to answer the prayers of people who may be buried in the snow or lost in the woods or injured out on the ski slopes, right? And this, this has to do with purpose. And, and I get that, right? That there's different layers to motivation. Um, purpose is a big one. Realizing that, you know, for me, doing this podcast, I was buried under the snow of just neg chronic negative thoughts, um, attitudes that were based on just kind of survival and fear, right? Like, I gotta survive, I gotta help my family survive, I, I'm afraid of the world, I don't like people, I'm scared of people. And that was, that was some of the snow I was buried under, and that was some of the fuel for my sexual addiction. Because I still felt this 
need to connect. But I didn't know how. And listen, the main reward of the spiritual life is that we get God, right? We get God. We get to be in Christ, that God did come here, enter time and space, enter his creation as a man on a rescue mission for you and for me. And we get to just submit our hearts to him and be in relationship with him. To be, I mean, God came into this jacked up dark world and was in it with us. All right? Is Jesus, the person of Jesus. If, if he's real and human history proves he is, if he is who he says he is, then that changes everything about who I am today, about my purpose, about, you know, desire, about why we're here, you know? Um, this is from the Redemption book. I'm going to leave you with this. I, I love this, uh, this book. Uh, Mike Wilkerson, um, uh, some other guys, a team of guys really wrote it. Mike Wilkerson, uh, gets the credit. I did an interview with him on the on the podcast uh, uh, a little over a year ago. You want to check that out. It's a great book. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to end the show on this chapter and it's towards the end of the book. And it, it the title is 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 Jesus your promised land, right? I remember rock and roll songs. I I can't remember which one it was, you know, right off the right off the bat, but talking about, you know, some woman's body being promised land or, or something like that, right? Sex, a threesome, you know, I used to think that my heart would start to, you know, think that that's promised land, that that was the ultimate, like that that's as good as it gets, that's ultimate pleasure. But it's not. I've learned it's not. It's really not. Okay, here we go. Check this out. And I know some of you are skeptical, all right? I get that. But something that C.S. Lewis said that stuck with me, he said that if the pleasures of this world eventually lose their their taste, right? Like you find something that you like and you really like it, and then it, it either has the power to enslave you or it just loses its flavor and gets bland after a while. And Lewis said that what if this proves that I'm not made for this world, right? Here you go. Here's the exact quote by Lewis. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. He also said, you don't have a soul, C.S. Lewis says. You are a soul and you have a body. I thought that was brilliant as well. Here, check this out. This is from the Redemption book starts on page 160. It's in the chapter, Is God Your Promised Land? Heaven, prefigured by the promised land, is the true home of every Christian. But what do you imagine awaits you when you arrive there? John Piper asks, Would you be satisfied to go to heaven, have everybody there in your family that you want there, have all the health restoration of your prime, and everything you dislike about yourself fixed? Have every recreation that you've dreamed of available to you. Have an infinite amount of resources and money to spend 
would you be satisfied if God weren't there? If you were completely free from the struggle to look at porn and were totally fulfilled emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and sexually, would you be satisfied without Jesus? If you were finally assured that your friends, your spouse, and your pastor had your best interest at heart, loved you, and would never hurt you, would you be satisfied without Jesus? Most Americans who have any concept of God never conceive that the central treasure and goal most Americans who have any concept of God never conceive that he is the central treasure and goal in life. In fact, 82% of them believe the maxim God helps those who help themselves is a verse from the Bible. He is there to help most of us get where we want to go and to tell us what we sh- how should we how we should behave along the way. Some have called it therapeutic moralistic deism, as described by the following beliefs that characterize most so-called Christianity in America today. Number one, a God exists who created and orders the world and watches over human life on earth. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Number three, the central goal in life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. (laughs) Number five, good people go to heaven when they die. Such ambivalence stands in sharp contrast to the grief-stricken Israelites in the wilderness throwing off their jewelry and mourning at the thought that God would not remain with them at the center of their lives because of their sin. Yet even most the most Christian of Christians, who those who know better, including myself, I'm afraid, says Mike, still tend to use God as a means to achieve their chosen ends of personal transformation, as Mark Gill warns. If you're a Christian mainly because you want to be changed, that's a problem. If you've given your life to God mostly because you're tired of yourself and want to be a different person, well, That may suggest that you're merely using God to fix you. That's not faith. That's not love. That is merely love of self. Here, near the end of a book that you probably picked up because you were seeking transformation and freedom, it may be hard to swallow. It may be hard to swallow that the idea of such goals could be hollow. But there's a catch. They are only hollow if they are not filled with God. To put it differently, they are best enjoyed as gifts wrapped up in a much larger gift of being in God's presence, which is to say, the gift of God himself. I love you guys. Merry Christmas. Till next time, I'm going to leave you with a a song from the band Yellow Card. It's an older punk song from the 90s. It's actually a uh, cover of a Michelle Branch song. But I love this song. It's very theological. And I'll have it on the website as well. Merry Christmas, everybody. I love you guys. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you in 2013. Bye. Turning inside out so I can see The part of you that's drifting over me Cause when I look, you're never there But when I sleep, you're everywhere, you're everywhere.